Welcome to another episode of the Precision Health Pod, where we talk to the people building and experiencing the future of health. We want to welcome Caroline Kreider, Product Marketing Manager and Women's Health Lead at Aura Ring. While Aura may be known best for sleep tracking, it is much more than that. And it has recently invested heavily in research around women's health, which has historically been underrepresented in the scientific research. And Caroline is playing a major role in these efforts. Welcome, Caroline. We're excited to have you. Excited to be here. Thanks so much. I'd love to get started with uh, hearing a little bit more about you. How did you get to where you are today? Yeah, my background actually started um, in a different form of marketing that a lot of people haven't heard of before. It's called neuromarketing. So in college, I was really interested in physiology and what the human body does. How do people process emotions, signals, attention? So I actually started my career at Nielsen, the big market research company, doing this form of neuromarketing, which means people will tell you one thing when they look at a product or an ad, but you can actually read a more authentic response by looking at signals from their body. So eye tracking, facial coding, heart rate, respiration, um, sort of what their body gives away about products they like, jokes that they maybe found funny that they wouldn't admit. And so I began in the marketing space trying to optimize products, but all of the conversations I was having with my clients who were doing ad research were actually about their own health on the side. And I found that those conversations were the most meaningful where we were using all the same metrics, but talking about their personal health. So I transitioned from using those metrics to do market research to using those metrics to help people improve their health with Aura. And so it's been a little bit of a journey, um, but I'm much happier now that I'm focused on using those same skills to help people improve their health. And talk a little bit more about the women's health efforts that you all you are, are doing at Aura. Yeah, I came to Aura about three, three and a half years ago, and our temperature sensor on the ring has been something that's really set us apart for a few years. It you really got, you know, a lot of attention during COVID because you can see some early signs of illness normally with a temperature sensor. But even a few years before that, we'd started doing research on the menstrual cycle and how temperature can unlock different patterns. And it's pretty amazing. A lot of the work is, you know, phases. Your first half of your menstrual cycle in the follicular phase is driven by the hormone estrogen and it cools you down. Then as soon as you ovulate, your body switches and it moves to progesterone, which heats you up. So you can kind of imagine that there might've been these really complex patterns, but it's as simple as cold and hot and cold and hot. And once you unlock those menstrual cycle patterns, you can start to move into the spaces that we're looking at now, which is how do you predict somebody's period based on those hot and cold times? And how do you predict when somebody is not cycling normally and something else is going on. If it's pregnancy, they're getting warm and staying warm, or it's maybe menopause and you're actually watching their cycle and their temperature pattern degrade. So temperature has really been the key to unlocking a lot of that. And people in the past had used what's called basal body temperature. That's using a manual thermometer every morning and sticking it under your tongue and sort of trying to assess out what your temperature patterns are. So as soon as you switch all of that research to making it as easy as wearing a ring and going to sleep, it makes it a lot easier to move faster in the space. So that's what we're really excited about. And it sounds like there's potentially some uh, abilities around fertility or opportunities to kind of unlock that as well. Um, as a mom, I understand what it looks like. How do you think about getting pregnant? It's not just like 
you you go right away. Some people it is, um, but having that temperature check is is really important. So I'm guessing that's is that something you guys are going into and thinking about where where the fertility or infertility opportunities are as well. Yeah, if you're already familiar with it, then you're light years ahead of a a lot of people who are in their you know late 20s, early 30s, starting to think about fertility. Um, we are in that space actively right now with our partner Natural Cycles. Mm -hmm. So Natural Cycles is FDA cleared to be used as a hormone-free birth control. So right now you compare your aura ring with the Natural Cycles app, you go to sleep, and when you wake up in the morning, the Natural Cycles algorithm will automatically tell you inside their app, hey, based on your goals, if you're trying to get pregnant or not trying to get pregnant, is today a good day or a bad day to have sex or use protection based on what your body temperature patterns are showing. And pretty much the most exciting thing that's been bubbling out of that is when we were all taught sex ed way back in the day in high school, everyone was taught a cycle is 28 days. You ovulate on day 14 or day 15. But it turns out that everybody's body is extremely different. And as you may have already learned, you may be somebody who doesn't ovulate anywhere near day 15. And so a lot of people are starting to unlock these insights with their own temperature patterns and discover that their body works a completely different way than they were told it would cookie cutter work. And so you can start, especially in fertility, having sex on the right days where you have a better chance of getting pregnant. Yeah, that it makes such a difference. And it's also not only is everyone different, but your body changes over time, especially if you've had kids, your hormones change. If you're getting older, your hormones change. So it's so dynamic where that where that data is. As you think about um, different data points that are really important to track for women and women's health that you guys are investing in, is there one, two, three that you would really say, hey, for health, based on what we know at Aura, this is what women should really be looking at? Yeah, it's a great question. Um the one that's unique to women, you know, it just holds a lot more utility is temperature. It's not that men can't see interesting patterns in their data. It's just our hormones are changing a little bit more frequently. So I would say temperature is a huge unlock if you're trying to get to know your cycle. So you happen to be cycling or you want to use it for something either to get pregnant or not get pregnant. Um, I think if you're going to look at two other metrics, they work for everybody. And that would be HRV and sleep. So I'll start with sleep. Sleep is the most basic one. A lot of people, you know, lie in bed at night and they think they're sleeping really well, but they don't actually understand the quality of that time lying in bed. So having a sleep tracker like Aura makes it super comfortable to just you slip on a ring, you go to sleep, you can sleep completely naturally. It's not some crazy tracker. It's not some sleep lab setup that's, you know, a bunch of stickers and wires. <laughs> but it can start to unlock things you didn't realize. Like maybe you're snoring at night. Maybe you're waking up a few times and you didn't realize it. Maybe you don't get enough deep sleep or REM and you can start to optimize your sleep, which unlocks all of your other health goals. You can sleep for fertility. You can sleep for workout gains. You can sleep for better creativity and memory consolidation. And then the last one would be HRV. And HRV is a very sexy metric that um, is getting a lot of attention, but can be pretty confusing. The way that I like to explain it is you want to have um, in your body, you want to have the ability to switch really nimbly between your rest and digest system and your fight or flight system. If you happen to be a very flexible person, 
your system is set up to switch between those two, you have a high heart rate variability. You can vary between those two systems. If you don't and your system is inflexible, it might be locked in, say, a stressful state like fight or flight, you won't have any variation in your system. And so HRV tends to be this really good metric for long-term health tracking. Suddenly you can start to see like, wow, I started a new job and my variability is completely tanked for these three months. Maybe there's something going on here. Maybe my life patterns have shifted and I need to make an adjustment. And for anybody who doesn't know HRV, quick explainer that you can either include or not, Rachel, the example I like to give is if I'm sitting here right now and a book falls off the shelf behind me, what I would like my body to be able to do is quickly switch into fight or flight. Oh my God, you know, what was that sound behind me? Realize it was just a book and immediately go back into that rest and digest. So if you're able to vary between those two networks easily, you're just able to respond to situations better and it can help you identify a time when maybe you started a new job, maybe you became a new parent, Maybe you came down with an illness like COVID that's going to take you a while to recover from, and you can see, ah, there's something different about my system right now, and I might need to cut myself some slack and pull back on some of the things that I'm used to doing. Yeah, exactly. HRV is such an important metric and it, it's really, it's a good proxy for stress levels as well. And as we were digging deeper into research, we know that high stress levels over time can wreak havoc on our bodies, whether it's um, sleep issues or weight issues or simply like day-to-day, -day, am I fatigued? How am I exercising? How am I recovering? So having that metric as an understanding there is, is really important. Um, and there is some new research around how HRV is actually mapping to cortisol all curves as well. So we can see that not only Amazing. what's going on based on the digital biomarkers, it's actually showing up in the, um, like within your cortisol levels within uh, the, those types of biomarkers as well, uh, which is fascinating as we kind of look into this, this personalized health, um, health stack. Is there anything based on those data points um, that you've seen that have really made a difference and an impact in uh, people's that use aura or even within your own health? Yeah, um, I can use myself as an example, but I think it's generalizable to a lot of people. I was a college athlete, and I was used to training on a schedule. Tuesday is my long run. Wednesday is my lift day. Thursday is, you know, drylands or this routine where your week was very, very, very predictable, but it was based on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday calendar rather than your body. So I think the biggest shift for a lot of people is now when I wake up, I don't just say, Tuesday is long run day, so hell or high water, I will be doing my long run. I actually check in with my body, look at my stats, see how I've recovered, and I make adjustments radically based on how I'm actually feeling. So for me personally, I adjust my workout routines, but I think there are a lot of people who adjust many other elements. You know, were they going to tackle a hard, you know, home improvement project after work? Were they actually going to schedule an interview on a particular day or not? Are they going to take the day off for work? So it's sort of like whatever your goals are that you want to accomplish, if you can make them less based on a calendar and more based on your body, you start to see a lot of improvements. So we also get a lot of people writing in who say, or I gave them like, quote unquote, permission to take a sick day. A lot of the times in our culture, you go to work, whether or not you feel well, and you power through until you hit that like 2 p.m. moment where you can't function anymore, and then you take a sick day. 
But a lot of people, when you have the evidence that your body is already being challenged by something and the number is staring you in your face, your readiness score is low, warning light, warning light. It helps you take care of yourself before things get worse. Which is so important. And I, I love how people are moving to towards this data-driven, data-first approach to their health versus the call it one size fits all power through oh you'll probably be fine we have we don't know we need to look at what's going on in our own bodies to to really make that call and then as you think about your own health switching gears a little bit um what types of routines do you do besides the workout routine that you vary based on your data do you have any morning routines do you have evening routines that help you stay healthy and, and productive at work yeah, I would say I definitely have morning um, and evening routines that that might work for some people. Um, I am definitely a morning person in general. So I like to wake up, see some sunlight, um, which I think is really important for just setting your circadian rhythm. So when your body naturally thinks you're awake or asleep, so get that sunlight first thing in the morning. And then I find I am automatically um, productive. I get a little bit of cortisol in the morning. I can get some work done. So I would say since I got an aura ring, I've actually stopped relying on caffeine quite as much because I've been able to improve my sleep enough that those mornings are actually productive rather than the classic grumble, don't talk to me until I've had um, a cup of coffee. But the other really important morning routine for me, honestly, and for, and for others could be, it's honestly sharing my data with my partner and kind of discussing our day as a team and as a unit how are you feeling? How am I feeling? How did you sleep last night? And are there ways that we can work together as a team to change the day? Maybe if my partner's readiness is low, I can take on more of the burden at home. I can be the one who goes to the grocery store or makes dinner or, you know, does the unpleasant bank errands that has to be done, insert whatever it is here. So a lot of the morning is waking up and then planning as a team. And then I would say for the evening, I am a hot shower fiend. That is my absolute, I swear by it as my relax time, as my time to, um, you know, unwind without any devices. So I think a lot of people struggle to put their devices away before bed um, or dim the lights and get away from blue light. And honestly, as silly as it sounds, showering in the dark or showering by, you know, a little candlelight or lantern light has been a nice way for me to wind down, not have my device but still feel like it's well-spent time. I'm not just falling asleep over my book. I'm relaxing. Um, so that's, that's one that I really like. And then the other thing I would say is if people are willing to have the same routine, it can be even something really small, just cueing your body for sleep is really effective if it's a scent, if it's um, a ritual, you listen to the same song before bed, um, so for me personally, it's putting on the same moisturizer. I have it by my nightstand. I absolutely love the way that it smells. And I've now used it for so many years that it's my kind of sleepy wind down scent um, and my cue for my body. So those are things that work for me, whether or not people want to shower in the dark and, you know, have a moisturizer routine, there might be more exciting ways to to wind down, but that's what I use. No, I love it. I've definitely heard that showering can also help with that temperature that we were talking about earlier, because temperature really matters when it comes to sleep. So if you take a hot shower, your body cools down and it can it can really help. I haven't tried it yet, but it's something I really want to do. Um, but as I, I I now have a three month old and you get a lot of sleep tips for for newborns. Right. Um, and it's 
so interesting looking at, all right, what are adults doing to put ourselves to sleep versus what are the tips and tricks to get babies to sleep? And the answer is routine. It's cueing them in. It's taking a having them take a bath. It's having the same nighttime routine. It's going books, bed, like whatever you're going to do, have keeping it the same every single night. And somewhere along the way, we lose that. Um, and we, what's going to be interesting is I think this whole new generation of parents is is realizing this, right? That there's all this data around. We need a routine. We need a sleep routine. So potentially, hopefully, we're raising this new generation that can sleep better than than what our uh, generations have been able to do before. Hopefully. You might <laughs> even like, Rachel, one of the Instagram posts that we uh, put out this past year or so that performed best was on breast milk and melatonin and teaching parents that your breast milk contains different amounts of melatonin and sleepiness cues for your baby at different times of the day so that women aren't, you know, pumping morning wake-up milk and then feeding it to their kid when they're trying to go to sleep is like an interesting sort of sleep training insight that a lot of people didn't know and we got a lot of response from the community yeah that's really fascinating and, and something people people should know more of especially as women are pumping more at work and trying to make make that work for them making sure that there's an am pm um yeah. time basis I mean it makes it makes complete sense as we think about sleeping and and getting kids to sleep getting our, ourselves to sleep. Mental health is is obviously another thing that matters with a lot of this. Um, so it plays a role in HRV, it plays a role in sleep. How do you stay on top of your kind of mental health, your productivity, making sure you can stay focused and kind of get everything you need to get done done? Yeah, I think I'm pretty in touch with myself on a day-to-day basis. I think what Aura really unlocked for me is I think a lot of trackers and tools that I'd used in the past were all about today you know, get 10,000 steps today, accomplish these goals, drink these glasses of water, you know, eat these veggies, like almost this to-do list that's checked marked off on a daily basis. But health, including mental health, really happens at a larger scale. And so what I do on a day-to-day basis is actually check my long-term trends. So in, in the Aura app, you have the ability to look at daily patterns, weekly patterns, monthly patterns, or yearly patterns. And that's the way that I really am able to assess my mental health, you know, each week. How am I trending? Am I normal for me? Am I headed down? Am I headed on the way up? And the number one way to recalibrate, honestly, is on the weekends and vacation, because you can decide to have two very different types of mental health boots. You can need time with friends, need stimulation, have a couple of drinks, and your scores actually tank. Like you're not getting good sleep because you were out having tequila with some of your friends, but that social battery has filled back up or you can see that your body is run down and what you actually need is maybe a quiet two days or a restful vacation where you're not doing anything. There's no trips planned. There's no, you know, crazy tour group or, you know, something else that you might want to squeeze into the agenda. It's just rest and relaxation. So starting to have those conversations more with yourself for I'm using my free time to do X to support my mental health. Is it rest? Is it fun? Or is it something else? Um, So that's what's been helpful for me is those longer term patterns and then asking myself what I need and really designing my free time around that. Definitely. And as you think about this, this mental health aspect and everything else that you've done for your health, is there any tips um, or kind of advice that you would give as people are trying to figure this out for themselves? 
Yeah, I would say people who um, have friends or loved ones or they're living near or with people, just talking about your health more with other people. So much of the time, the people that love you and spend time around you know you better than you know yourself. And they're able to offer up insights like, you always come back refreshed when you go for a hike. Or, you know, you haven't been for a horseback ride in like four years. And last time you did that, you were just glowing. Or every time you go home to visit mom and dad, you're really stressed out. Like some of these basic core truths. So I think if you can have some more casual and often health conversations with your your tribe, your network, it can be really helpful because sometimes they have an insight or you can share something that you learned and together you can kind of come up with strategies um, more and more like a team health sport than some solo sport uh, just to make all of your, your lives better and make you a little bit more resilient if possible. Definitely. And it sounds like it's also this permission that you mentioned. It's more like permission to take a sick day is what you said, but it's almost permission to talk about what's going on and the proof points that that matter. Cause some people are maybe not afraid or don't know how to talk about their health because they don't have the data around it, but having this permission and, and this validation is, is really helpful to start those conversations and even have, have an answer to, to when folks come, come back and say, say different things. As you think about the future of health, um, what do you see is missing today that you would love to be able to have either for your own health or, or for the population at large? What's missing today is a holistic, you know, health database or dashboard or connection system. I think there are some brands that are trying to build that. They're trying to connect this disparate technology to this piece of technology. But a great example right now would be sometimes there's something strange in my data. Sometimes I think I might be getting sick or I think something might be off with my hormones, but there's not yet a world that exists where I can easily ping that data to my doctor and say, hey, can you review this? And my you know, primary care physician isn't in touch with my gynecologist, isn't in touch with my dentist. And so I hope in the future we have more connected health records and they're used for more of what the functional medicine world is trying to do. Like, you have all of your care team looking at the same data and making decisions together rather than siloed care. So hopefully people could bring their own wearable data and whatever other devices are helping them care for themselves to some sort of centralized medical practice where they can get the advice that they don't naturally have the expertise in. So I would love to see that. I think it may still be a little ways off, but you can see some patterns that we're headed there. Definitely. And as you think of women's health, women's health specifically, is there anything there that you're really kind of intrigued by or you see just massive opportunity to, to invest further into? Yeah, I would say everything because so little has been done. But I think what's really dropped my jaw time and time again is the way that we explain reproductive health when we are at our youngest and most impressionable and ready to seize the world is so generic. It is like, here is a uterus, and here is this stylized 30-year stay cycle. We're going to explain one example, only focus on your reproductive organs. Congratulations, you're going to be able to maybe kind of sort of predict the days that you bleed. And so the biggest opportunity there is, hey, did you actually know you can predict so much more than just the days that you're bleeding? And it's not just your reproductive cycle. It impacts your brain, your muscles, your heart, your lungs, your sleep, your productivity, all of these elements. 
And so I think if we start changing the conversation from here's this infographic about your health, you know, this average person that we've made up to here's some tools where you might be able to learn about your own body and your own system. And they're actually going to empower you to make different decisions about your day and what you do and your health. That would be incredible. And I think we are getting much closer with tools like Aura to getting there. Um, and we hear from women all the time that they're almost outraged. They're like, I'm sorry, what? Nobody taught me any of this. And I'm learning this at 30, at 40, at 50. So the, there's a true blessing that people are willing to learn on their own. But I think as soon as it becomes more formalized and there's more support for it, you're going to learn at an early age that you have the ability to understand your body a lot better. And it won't be some sort of crazy mystery box. I think there is such an opportunity too to, to bring it so much earlier than than what people are are learning now. I mean, you mentioned the 30s, 40s, so much of health and whether you think about like biohacking or data-driven health or just overall kind of chronic care management, it's happening for people that are older because they're starting to understand their bodies are starting to break down. They're starting to say, all right, I have the money. I like need to do this to feel better, to live better, to be happier. But women's health specifically, like what would happen if you put all of this information in the hand of a 14 year old, 15 year old, imagine how much different their life trajectory could be in terms of how they're planning about, do they want to have kids? Do they know, do they like, what are these kind of specific hormonal based conditions that might show up early, but they can offset them early on. Uh, and so I think with this specifically, there's such an opportunity around, around data and empowering people at the earlier ages. Uh, Huge. That. Even now, if, if, if there's anyone listening who has a group of girlfriends, we've done a fun exercise where the last time we all got together, we went around the room and said, does anyone understand how their birth control works? And it was really eye-opening and a fun experience of you have this thing that you take every single day that impacts your body, and you've never been empowered in a doctor's appointment to fully understand, what does it do? Why are you on that one and not this one? And, you know, is this the right choice for you? So fun exercise, ask somebody that you know and love, can they explain their birth control? And if they can't, which 99.9% .9 of people really probably cannot, go learn about it together and see if you can figure out some answers. There's a lot of really good resources online for that. That's a great idea. And probably something that very few people have done and very few people understand. Uh, outside of women's health, uh, is there any kind of other pieces where you think in three to five years, the world of health is going to look differently in, in this way? Mm, I would say that a lot of brands are working on building community, whether that's inside your app, you suddenly have the ability to build a family circle, a, a tribe, a group, a team, uh, where you can share your health data back and forth. Or there are these broader communities, especially, you know, if you're entering a life stage you've never been in before, like pregnant women, due date groups where you can connect with strangers that are going through the same thing as you. And so I think over the next, you know, 10 years, there will be this huge revolution where health goes from being something that you deal with privately with your doctor and you may or may not disclose within your family to being a much more public and crowdsourced uh, resource. So I think tools building in that social element make it okay and more socially acceptable to talk about your health and improve it together. And I think it will connect people who would have never met before who have the same health problem. And that, that is the, that's the big unlock. If somebody has already been through your journey, 
whether or not you can solve whatever you're dealing with medically, emotionally, spiritually, they're able to help you through that. And so I hope to see that trend continue to grow with all of the privacy implications and data security, you know, infrastructure getting built up as well to actually support that being authentic and open. I think that if that happens, it'll also speed up time for diagnosis, time for kind of improving symptoms, time for figuring out what's going on. Um, I think data plays a big role in that as well. But as soon as you start to connect around symptoms, connect around data, then there's going to be this like ballooning of, oh, I realized I had this with with symptoms or situations where it takes 10 years to diagnose normally because it's normally just a doctor to patient. Um, so that, that that would be an exciting future if we can if we can get there. Uh, and I know Aura is doing a lot a lot there. Um, in terms of what's next at Aura, is there anything exciting that you guys are working on um, that you can share? No, that's a good question. We have a lot going on. Um, what I would say is that we're building out a lot of tools to help people spot patterns more in their data. So I think people should be keeping an eye out for tools that are going to help them run these these personal experiments for themselves right now. So we have this tagging feature where you can look at your day-to-day life and you can start to sort of catalog some of the things that you might want to track about your life. How much caffeine am I having? When am I working out? Maybe I took a melatonin before bed and how is that impacting me? And we just hear an overwhelming response from our users that that's been their unlock. That's what's helped them spot an interesting pattern about their health, make a behavior change because they're like, damn it, you know, actually banning my phone from the bedroom. I can see on the nights that I do that, my sleep goes up. So like like other brands, I think we're going to be investing a lot in that space, making it easier for the average person to interpret all of this data that they have in front of them. Great, uh, great things to come, it sounds like. In kind of as we as we think about wrapping, would love to ask if you have any advice that you would give to your younger self or maybe someone who's younger looking to get into the into the space. What uh, what advice and, and tips would you give them? Oh, getting into the wearable space, wearables or women's health, wearables, women's health space. I would say the most important thing, and I would have never done this when I was younger, but I now want to shake myself. It's like. If there are products that you see out there that intrigue you, use them, buy them, download them, play with them, get to know them. And then if you have your own ideas, I've found it's been unbelievable to reach out to people that work somewhere that you're passionate about and love and say, I'm absolutely nuts about what you make. Can I just hear more about what you do? Or would you be interested in having me you know, volunteer for you, be an intern, or can you make a role? For me to do XYZ, um, Aura was a company that I had on my list for years before I came to work for Aura. I had seen multiple neuroscientists wearing the ring at conferences. I talked to, to them about why they chose the ring over other devices. I got a ring myself. And the second that Aura opened up a U.S. office, I was able to reach out to them and say, doesn't seem like you quite have a job description for somebody like me, but let me demonstrate how much I know about your product, how passionate I am about it, and where I think there's value. So if I could give my younger self advice, it would be go for it, use the thing that you love, and then tell somebody that you love it, because there's a chance that that alone and that passion is enough to qualify you for being a part of something that you'd be excited to work on. 
Yeah, we've gotten so many team members that routine from people that are saying like they reach out directly to me or directly directly to someone else and say, hey, I love what you're doing. I've used it. Like I want to be a part of your team. Sometimes we have roles, sometimes we don't, but that doesn't happen a lot. So if you do it, it, it will definitely stand out. And most companies, they, they want feedback. They're dying for it. Like they're they're trying really? to innovate. They're trying to build products that people want to use. Um, so if you have feedback, if you have ideas, it's like, go share them. Um, and even if you don't have a role, if you're looking for someone, people in the space are connected. So they might be able to say, hey, I've talked to Caroline and Aura. Maybe you should talk to her. Or I've talked to like so-and-so at this other company, like they could have something for you. Um, I think that's that's great advice and something that is very rarely done, I would say. Yes, it definitely does pay off in certain situations. And I'm sure you guys now have a lot of passionate people working for you who really believe in the product. Exactly. Great. Uh, well, just to, to finish up here, uh, how can people find out more about Aura and more about you? Yeah, I would say for Aura, we have a website, but we have a really rich blog that's fun to play on. It's called The Pulse. Um, so if you just type in Aura Ring, The Pulse, tons of articles, and they're you know separated by all of the different health categories that you might be interested in. You can read about reproductive health, sleep, stress, anything like that. And for me, I'm on the good old classic LinkedIn while it's still around until we have whatever the next social platform is. So if people want to follow work there, I'm definitely posting lots of updates about what we're doing, especially in the reproductive health space. So keep your eye out. We'll definitely have to check that out. Well, Caroline, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a great conversation. Yeah, thank you, Rachel. Madden and Mitchell Media.